welcome to season two of On the Outskirts. With me, Sophia Rosemary and Alice Catherine. So as we mentioned in the first episode, we would like to dedicate a bit of the podcast and also our show notes to an important cause each week. So this episode, um, in light of the fact that we are in Pride Month, we would like to dedicate this episode to Manchester Pride Charity, um, really close to home, obviously, because it's Manchester-based, um, and it's a charity that you might know because they're they're mainly known for their um, annual Pride celebrations, um, which normally happen in the month of June, um, but they're also an incredible charity which offers support to the LGBTQ plus community. They help them with a lot of support around discrimination and making them feel safe um, as well as educating um, the community in general um, and they do a lot of campaigning and they're just a great charity um, which we feel we just like to show a little support to um, especially as we are in Pride Month. And we also are aware that uh, Manchester Pride isn't relevant for everyone so we've also we're also going to link um, some other charity organisations and community groups that are Pride based below as well. good how are you i'm good on this very gray day in manchester so we had the last episode which we had a lot to unpack in um and we've had a little chat pre-recording this episode and we've got a lot to unpack again in this episode but we're gonna go back to kind of we're gonna be talking about things we've been watching um and reading and listening to and yeah just going back to having a general culture conversation yeah a bit of a chit chat um about what we've been up to but we just wanted to say also thank you to everybody that messaged us and tuned into the last episode and left such thoughtful messages or dms etc um it's really nice to know that you guys are taking the time out as well to to learn and listen um and really engage in the conversations that are happening it's really nice to see um that we have such kind and thoughtful listeners um and obviously um it's something we're going to continue throughout our episodes but just in a less condensed way so just a bit more um natural rather than condensing everything into a big episode we will be drip feeding bits that we've been learning as the series goes on because we think it's still important obviously to keep that conversation going but not as intense as the last episode yeah so more conversational and yeah uh, don't know if more organic's the word but yeah like as we're watching things or we're reading things obviously we, ho- we hope they're topical and yeah exactly as Alice just said thank you so much and it's also great that um some of you found um our last episode I guess in a way educational and it gave you um, resources that you hadn't discovered yet yourselves like that's that's great to hear because it means it it did the job we wanted it to do away from that um how how have you been I've been okay yeah I think last week I felt a bit whilst it was really hot I felt a bit stressed I don't know if it was the heat or (laughs) being in my flat it gets really hot as well um I just felt a bit unwell not coronavirus unwell but I felt like I had something, maybe a bug, maybe. Um, I don't know. I just felt very headachey and migrainey. Um, but yeah, just it just it just felt like a hard week. The same boat we spoke about, it, didn't we? I mine was mine was hormonal, and oh my god, last week's heat wave was no was no week for a period as well. No, it really wasn't. <laughs> I just felt like it was one of those weeks where my body just went through it. I just felt really, I don't know if it was sort of after two stressful weeks, my body was just like, nope, but I just felt really just run down and really awful. And then as it's been cooler the past couple of days, I felt like I've got more stuff done and cleaned the flat, which really needed doing. And somehow that always makes me feel better when that's done. I'm like, okay, I can start my life again. (laughs) I just felt like it got to the point of no return. I was like, this place needs a dust and it's no joke. Yeah. Clear house, clear head, it is true. Um, I feel like my mum would be really proud of me for saying that. Then. But no, it is true. And there's something about the heat and the good weather, which is, it's all fun and games, but you do procrastinate more than you usually do. Yeah, um, you sort of, your to-do list gets a bit left behind, doesn't it? And I found that it was too hot to do any work. I couldn't write, I couldn't concentrate on anything. I just felt like my brain was melting. <laughs> uh, we're in such a hot um, apartment building as well. It gets so hot. 
So it's going to be like this every summer. I'm going to have to invest in a fancy fan, I think, like a good... Or maybe an outdoor green... Like a... I was going to say greenhouse, but they keep more warm. That would be terrible. I'm already living in one. <laughs> I think you just pitch up your tent outside. Yeah, no. I love yeah. how I started this episode off, though, by saying about how it's really grey and miserable outside, and then I've also just complained about the sunshine. Well, it's just classic. Never happy. British people, isn't it? Uh, never happy. <laughs> but yeah, it was It was really nice, but it, it did sort of make me feel like, oh, I wish I lived by the water, because um, I would have just loved... I'm, I'm a real, like, I love summer, but only if I can cool down. Yeah. I can't... I'm not just one of those people who can sit in the heat all day without going in and out of the pool or the sea yeah makes well, me sound really high maintenance but just... yeah, no, I get it. and I think at the minute as well like being in lockdown it when it's really really sunny it actually weirdly even though we're spending more time outside it kind of highlights how claustrophobic it can be mm. because you, you can't really go and do a lot of the things that you would do in sunny weather or you, you know you're not going a, you're not going away this year or all of those little things so it, yeah it can it definitely does take its toll it feels yeah. very dry <laughs> yeah, it's a bittersweet, isn't it, when it's hot? And I think if you've got a garden space and stuff, it's a bit different. But for me, my nice day out is only as long as my bladder can last at the minute. So that's so true. It's not long at all. So. I found I didn't realize because I've been kind of just like hibernating at home in the garden. And on Thursday, I did like my first um, day out into Manchester to visit a friend and I was like really looking forward to it and then I got in town and Manchester just doesn't feel like the Manchester I know and love mm. and we like just had like a little picnic outdoors and I was the same I was like suddenly like okay and now what do I do when I need to go for a pee I know I mean there's been some brave people in the parks near me that I see just like bushing it <laughs> it's a proper northern thing to say that isn't it yeah. <laughs> I hate that girl though I'm just I'm not there yet I'm not that desperate so I've come back to the flat a few times but then when you come back you know what it's like you get settled don't you and you're not going back out again so oh I mean, no my <laughs> arm has just slipped on me these old things <laughs> just like, yeah so that's just one of the hardships I've had to endure throughout this lockdown period we also talk about Glastonbury Blues oh yeah we'd have gone which we were both supposed to weren't we it would have ended today we would have been doing the grimness of the journey home but changes slightly each year though doesn't it because I remember being the last day we came home last year was my birthday which is the first so it's generally like the end of June yeah but yeah. we've just so last the weekend just gone would have been officially Glastonbury weekend did you watch any of the highlights um, do you know what I found? I on Friday I accidentally watched um, Beyonce set, which oh. I wasn't at that glass of rain. Hi, Pep. <laughs> he loves Beyonce. That's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> all single puppies, all the single. <laughs> yeah, I, I accidentally watched. Um, I watched the start of it, and you know when you sort of perched on a chair. It was on the TV, and I sort of perched on the end of, like, my little footstool, and then I ended up just staying perched at the same place for an hour and just got completely enthralled by by Queen Bee. <laughs> it's just one of the best performers, like, ever. Like, even if you don't like her music, because, like, you can't not be, like, hypnotised by her. She's just... Have you seen, actually, you will love, if you've not seen it already, the Coachella documentary, the performance of her performance, like, how it was all put together on Netflix? I saw that. I saw... I felt like my tv was doing that thing where it was like recording me because then I went on Netflix and it, suggested, it was there. yeah it suggested that to me I really really wish I'd been there for Beyonce because it felt like I heard a, an interview she did afterwards with Joe Wiley and she just was completely gushing like she seemed like she was really it was like a highlight of her career everybody seems to don't they like even big artists like the biggest artists they're always like so proud and like emotional to be at Glastonbury I guess it's a massive I mean it's a massive thing to go there anyway because it's hard enough to get a bloody ticket but yeah for an artist it's like I guess it's like peak sort of it's a big honor isn't it to play yeah, completely yeah it's like one of those goals that you kind of think of when you're dreaming of being a, a famous musician did you watch anyone didn't know some had some had blur on and then he was just like leaving it on a loop so I don't know who was on after that but I didn't I wanted to watch um Bowie but I didn't like people that were like in years that I'd never been to because I've only been to the last couple of years because it was so hard to get tickets so I wanted to see people that were like 
you know, like noughties, nineties, like performances. Um, I think he watched like Oasis and people like that, but I didn't really, I was finding it a bit depressing to be honest. I was like, Oh, and seeing all the crowds, it felt really surreal. Sam was like, we'd be packing up today. And I was like, getting a bit of anxiety like oh like I don't know if I don't know if I like the idea of being at a festival now it's going to be a weird transition again yeah it feels like a lifetime ago doesn't it like the the concept of being in a massive crowd is just like mind-blowing at this stage isn't it um but I know what you mean it's kind of like self-sabotage isn't it like you've got Glastonbury Blues and then you're watching Glastonbury it's like this is not productive but I was the same I didn't kind of like I watched the Beyonce set because I'd never seen it before but I think the ones I had seen I was like I don't need to re-watch them it's fine yeah I was a bit like that and then I don't know there, there was some interesting choices though but I think can you you can find them online anyway can't you, if you want yeah yeah you can and um, the Oasis one though was meant to be amazing because it was before definitely maybe came out oh really yeah so they were still like so young and new so I can imagine how historical that must have felt did you ever watch them live Oasis no Joe has I'm not like the biggest Oasis fan but obviously like you end up knowing all their songs anyway don't you it's one of those bands but I have seen I've been dragged to like Liam Gallagher's sets a couple of times not necessarily my thing but I would have loved to see them like in the heyday yeah definitely contrary to popular belief not all Mancunians are massive fans of Oasis but like culturally I think it would have been they're just one of those bands like there's certain bands that I would have just loved to see when they were sort of in their prime but you end up catching sort of the dregs like Liam Gallagher (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry to to any Liam Gallagher fans but to me I'm just like watching it thinking oh I wish this was actually Oasis like yeah like um like you can't really go and watch Morrissey anyway at the minute because he's no he's (laughs) cancelled but it's like going to watch Morrissey when actually fundamentally all you want to watch is the Smiths I suppose yeah and um I felt that way a bit about Fleetwood Mac bless their hearts but when I saw them they were sort of hobbling Stevie Nicks was sort of hobbling around on the stage a bit with a walking (laughs) stick and she had to keep going off I should stop laughing (laughs) (laughs) you're in an evil mood today (laughs) She had to kept sort of, I think she had a problem with like a hip or something. I bet she was still cool as fuck. It was still incredible, but it was a sort of like, I did find myself thinking like, God, all the people I, the music and the artists I adore are on death's door a bit now, which is a shame because I'd love to watch more live music, but I rarely like new um, bands. It takes a lot for me to really like yeah I'm with you on that I was saying this to Joe as well um I, I saw that the Rolling Stone the Rolling Stone set um was replayed on BBC and we went to go and see the Rolling Stones at Old Trafford um was it like two summers ago and I was this is gonna be a controversial opinion but I was really disappointed I just because it's not well they're very old now and it's still amazing what they're doing but I don't know I just wasn't feeling it it's amazing that they're alive for one thing. <laughs> yeah, Keith Richards, like, way to go. Like a fossil. Like, you look at his face and you're like, my God, but impressive. Still having kids, some of them as well. Like. No. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> on, from, <laughs> on from old men um, to uh, impressive women, shall we talk about some TV? Yeah, let's. Because I felt like I was going on a tangent there. <laughs> Uh, we've both been watching um, I May Destroy You, which is on BBC iPlayer and um, written by Michaela Quell and stars her as the main character as well, the main protagonist. So we wanted to talk about it um, because it's blown our minds pretty much, hasn't it? It's been just incredible. But yeah, for those who want to watch it, it's on um, BBC iPlayer. And I believe as we're recording this, there's five episodes that are out last time I checked yesterday. I mean, it was one of those things that I saw it going around on Instagram and then I watched a couple of episodes and then they were sort of drip feeding in the episodes, weren't they? So there was like a bit of time for some reason. Um, And then I did a bit of background, like Googling on it. So I was like, who is this girl? She's like incredible. Realised it was written by her as well. And produced and co-directed as well. And it was also based on, then I realised it's also based on real life events um, that happened once she was um, creating one and producing one of her other um, well-known series, Chewing Gum. 
And it's just, I think, one of the best portrayals on the BBC of, like, sexual assault, consent. It shows things like um, blood, like period blood in a really natural way. A sanitary towel is shown. Like, all these things that shouldn't... Consensual sex. Yeah. It Um, shows it in a really kind of... I was going to say warts and all, but that sounds a bit of a weird <laughs> phrase to use. But do you know what I mean? Like, there's no it, there's no romanticising it sometimes. It's very, like, just real, isn't it? It's it's sort of a um, the, one of the best portrayals of, like, millennial culture living in a city life that I've ever seen as well. Like, the going out scenes, the, the way the, the characters sort of interact with each other, how close they are, it's all very, like... Um, millennial and anxiety inducing as well I think we both said that didn't we like I I feel like the characters you can empathize with them on such a deeper level because you really relate to them and so on the the scenes when they're like going out on nights out or she's like going on that tangent like she's going on a night out which is out longer than she was supposed to you feel anxious for her because you kind of probably maybe yeah what I really liked about it was like when I first started started watching it there's only three episodes available and I think I messaged you saying is there only supposed to be three episodes or and I think the reason why it confused me because each although there is one long story kind of running through it you can watch each episode individually like they each kind of touch upon their own topic yeah and beaut- and like really beautifully done as well and the main character is so like no other female character that I've ever watched before like eccentric but just so expressive in the way she sort of can admit how she's feeling to the audience without saying anything. Just very, just so unique. Like, she's very electric to watch, I think. Very flawed in some ways. Like, she, there's no bar, bars held about, you know, she's not supposed to be this, like, idol of a character. She's just just a really, nor, like, normal girl who's going through a lot of the same things that millions of other girls will have gone through. One thing that really struck me, I mean, I don't, we don't want to give any spoilers away because it's a, a relatively new release, so we don't want to go into depth too much about the episodes, but um, episode five, have you watched that yet? Is that the one where she's at the, um, the help group? Yeah, yeah. She's at a support group, um, a sexual assault support group that's run by a white woman that she knew back from school, from their school days um, when there was an incident there. Um, And again, I I don't want to give any spoilers, but it was a really raw and like stark portrayal of white tears and how detrimental white women lying about sexual assault can then ruin the way um, or destroy the way marginalised groups and black women, people of colour, are believed when they go forward about their sexual assaults. Because, you know, we all know that white tears are believed more. I've never seen an episode like that because it sort of goes both, it goes into this, the white woman who want, the, who runs this um, sexual assault support group, it goes into her backstory and she has this sort of really problematic backstory. Um, and you see how she was sort of coerced into lying as well, but... Um, by her own mother that's sort of abusing her in a way, but how that's sort of detrimental to the way... I mean, it's just such a flip side of experiences, isn't it? Yes. It discusses the the topic of abuse and, uh, you know, and rape um, and sexual abuse from so many different aspects. And that particular episode was an aspect that I didn't really know... I didn't even think about them exploring or think they could explore. Um just so many great details like there's a bit where the black um gay character one of her best friends he's sat in the police station and it's about him trying to as a black gay man trying to articulate his experience of sexual assault to a white male police officer and it's just so difficult and you really feel in the room with him in terms of how he's trying to explain what's happened but then he's getting sort of passive aggressive things back from this white male police officer and then when the white male police officer leaves the room, there's this really interesting detail where there's a poster on the door and it says, please leave this door closed. You're putting people at risk by keeping it open. And it was just kept open. The yeah. Time. And he sort of just, the black guy sort of rolls his eyes like, of course, this is happening. It's just, it's so, there's so many details like that that you pick up on that yeah. just, that's, that are sort of silent details, but they say so much. Yeah, it was. Is it Kwame? Is character called? Not sure. I can't remember. Well, it was hit. Yeah. So um, her gay friend story was the one that I think affected me the most. 
Um, and it's still ongoing. Like like we said, that these episodes are being drip-fed through. So we've not watched the series the whole way through. So we still don't know what's, what's going to happen. But yeah, at the minute, it's his story which is hitting the hardest for me, I, I, I feel. Um, because he's just not being heard and and not for not for lack of trying as well i think that's the that's the upsetting thing like i think you know you're not sort of shaking him going do the right thing go and tell the police because he's tried and i think that's what makes it really sad and really kind of raw yeah and there is this sense of people that are sort of on these blind hookup apps are putting themselves at risk anyway so it's almost like it's taken less seriously and it's like well no as young sexual beings in a city they're entitled to meet up with people for sex that doesn't mean they deserve to be raped yeah it comes back to that whole that age-old thing of um if a girl wears a short skirt is she asking for it like absolutely not like you're allowed to do whatever you want if you say no you're saying no it kind of comes back to that thing of why are we arguing this oh there's just so much we could talk about with that um maybe we'll we'll talk about it again in the next one as well when we've watched a few more of them but yeah please go and watch it if you haven't because it's just incredibly done um and so different to anything we've both seen yeah and it doesn't always make for easy watching i think it is it is i'd call it i'd class it as a dark comedy but i'd say there are some parts which aren't are definitely not comical at all um but i think it's just a really eye-opening series which is um which has just been executed in a really refreshing way. Yeah, yeah. There's just, there's just so there's so much. Like even the guy that she sleeps with, and he takes the condom off halfway through. Yeah. That story I found so interesting as well because it must happen to so many people, and they don't know that they've been assaulted. Yeah, like it's just it's like there's especially with like assault and rape and whatever. It's like there's so much gray space that, that where people are like oh I don't know if if something bad happens there or I so I think to see it so well played out and the consequences that those characters have is really really important especially for like millennial the millennial sort of culture that are watching it education yeah. is key to your safety isn't it so yeah definitely um I think you're right there I think there'll probably be a lot of people out there who will watch especially the story about the the condom and will open their eyes it it definitely even made me think about things and think okay yeah no yeah that completely makes sense and why would I ever have questioned maybe similar things that happened to myself or my friends or yeah it does it makes you realise how far we've got to go with educating people on consent. Even there's a bit in the police station where they're talking about, yeah, half the problem is people don't know what's a crime and what's not a crime. Yeah. I think that's a big issue as well. So much to unpack with that one, so we'll definitely revisit it. What else have you been watching? Um, so I have, um, I've been... Um, watching quite I feel like I've watched quite quite a lot really I've been watching a lot of documentaries especially um as I continue to educate myself on Black Lives Matter um I know that you're the same um so I've been watching a lot of great um documentaries on um Netflix but I've also been just trying to get back into films um and one film that I um thought would be um quite nice to talk about was I watched a film called Dating Amber um, which is a really sweet film, which uh, I really recommend watching. It's about, um, it's set in Ireland and it's about um, a character called Eddie um, who is um, coming to terms with the fact that he is gay while he's in high school. And he um, starts dating a girl called Amber, as the title would suggest. And she is also a um, a she's a she's a lesbian who's also sort of not come out as a lesbian to her family or friends yet and they date each other to basically um kind of fool everyone into thinking that they are straight um and it's just a really kind it's a really beautiful coming of age film and if you like sex education um if you like End of the Fucking World and if you like the film Submarine, then you'll probably really love this film um, because it's got that kind of, it, it's got it's got that kind of cinematography vibe that Submarine has. Um, and it's just a really, really sweet story of two people kind of discovering who they are um, and feeling like they belong with, they belong in each other um, when the rest of their school and their families make them feel like they're, they're different. Um, it sounds really cute. It remind when you were talking about their relationship. Then it reminds me a bit of um, 
just kids the book patty smith and um robert maythorpe or oh, yeah. a bit how i mean patty smith's not gay as far as i know is she no um but it reminds me of their relationship in new york where they sort of agree she knows he's gay but they tr- they agree to just be together out of sort of a bit of like how it looks from the outside as well yeah like there's a love there obviously it's not a romantic love but it's just kind of yeah they're going through something together it's got um jamie from normal normal people in it um Theon O'Shea, I think the actor's name is, and he's just really great in it. And it's got some really comical, um, it's got some really comical um, elements in it. But yeah, it's just, I thought it was a sweet one to mention because it's quite lighthearted, but it touches on um, some really important topics, especially as we are in Pride Month. Definitely. I'm going to add that one to my list. I think that might be a nice watch. Yeah, I think you would like it. How about you? What have you been watching? I am slightly ashamed to say that I started watching The OC from the beginning again. Okay. <laughs> realized that my sort of my when I need to check in with myself and my mental health is usually starts with the rewatching or the decision to start rewatching Gilmore Girls or the OC because it this I don't know if anyone else can like relate to this but there's something about mentally when I think right I need something with a lot of seasons <laughs> that I can just watch and it's the same thing and it's mind-numbing almost yeah. and it's sort of like always runs parallel with like a bit of like an anxious or depressive episode <laughs> which yeah I kind of get this yeah kind of like I don't know it's almost like a comfort blanket and I think I'd wanted to watch the OC again I mean I've seen the OC so many times now but it's it's in a way I hate myself for re-watching things and re-watching older series because there's so many new series that I should be watching and learning from but there's also something quite interesting about revisiting older series and sort of analyzing them with your mindset in 2020 um especially the OC because it's like early noughties isn't it Uh, it was such like a a pinnacle part of our adolescence teen tv in the noughties like late 90s was like peak we just don't get teen tv like that anymore do we really no there are no one tree hills out there anymore no, like Dawson's Creek, like all these shows, 90210, Buffy. <laughs> it just, people used to get obsessed with the characters, didn't they? And like obsessed with the couples and whether they were dating or not. And like yeah. um, Rachel Bilson and Adam Brody were dating at that time as well. I think they dated for like three years whilst it was, whilst they were filming The O.C. She's now dating, bit of shit gossip for anyone that cares, Bill Hader, which I've got a lot of time for because I absolutely love him. I know that, I did know this. Isn't she, is she pregnant? Uh, she's got a daughter with um, another actor, can't remember. I can't get that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't care about him. <laughs> I genuinely believed um, when I was in school, did you ever have those crushes that you genuinely believed you could be with that person? <laughs> I truly believe that I was a great ma- match for Seth Cohen. Death Cab for Cutie was one of my favourite bands. I was an emo kid. <laughs> it all made sense to me. So Josh, was it Josh Schwartz, the um, director? Yeah. Was like, I mean, I've gone far into Googling this. But um, so he, he was like one of the, he did Gossip Girl as well, didn't he? Which I've not watched. But he was like sort of one of the youngest people to like, I think he direct and produced and wrote. Did he do all of it? I'm not sure. But what I was going to say is um, season two in particular, you realise like how big it was at the times in terms of like indie, like rock bands and stuff. Like you say, like they have, they, they have this club that they go to and like pretty much every other episode, there's a band playing. Yeah. And it's like, it's at the time, I think it just, it was sort of really threw that into the, into the forefront. So there's like Death Cab for Cutie, The Killers, Block Party are on there. That. I feel like Beck was in it at one point. Paris Hilton's in an episode. Like, all, like, there's just so many, like, cultural references of that time and, like, bands that were really big. And then also I read that his parents are toy um, inventors or, like, something to do with toys and worked on, like, Transformers and My Little Pony, which is probably where Princess Sparkles comes from. Summer's little pony that she has. <laughs> like, all these little references that are in it. I love that you're rewatching this because um, there's those like references that you've made there I have not thought about since 2004. That was when it was around, wasn't it? Like 2004. I basically watched the OC, was obsessed with the OC, and then left it behind. 
<laughs> so like yeah. never watched it I've like insane people but as we've already established <laughs> no not at all I do think you do have those those comfort things you watch which have like got complete nostalgia wrapped in them the AC for me is one that I obviously I obviously didn't deal with um Marissa's death very well I'm on season three to be honest you only need to watch season one and you get your feel like season two is good for like all the music because they're hanging out in this like bar this music bar so you see all the bands and stuff and there's like a lot of live footage of them playing and then oh there's an episode as well you know that Imogen Heap song that's in hide and seek that's in normal people yeah there's an episode like a really dramatic episode where they play that as well and every time that song plays I was like my heart like drops but I was like it was played here first <laughs> and, um, and was... hallelujah as well oh god I will never not hear that and not That's think not. about it plays from the first episode to like the very last it's like it's a theme throughout the whole thing whenever something sad comes on they, they play that song and it breaks you down emotionally yeah, it does. <laughs> so um yeah. What I would say is, though, if you find that going back and watching um, early noughties series, do you kind of watch them and think, okay, uh, what you just said then wasn't cool? Because I found that when I've gone back to watch things, I've been like, okay, that's problematic. Sex and the City being one of my main my main pet peeves these days. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are said where you're like, ooh, that's not very PC. Um, and then obviously the fact that there's, I mean, the show aired for like four seasons and there isn't a single black person or person person of color in a main role um is not great i mean i did read that for its time it was kind of progressive because of the sort of um you know they're a jewish family living in a very sort of waspy kind of to do rich upper class area of like snobby white people um but yeah not not good enough on terms of like the representation really yeah. um, and it does, there's so many things that it glamorizes, like it glamorizes therapy and drinking and taking overdoses and like all, all these things. I mean, essentially like Marissa's character is a brat. <laughs> like That's what I'm taking away from it, watching it this age. She just does so many things where you're just like, no, she just causes trouble for so many of them. It stresses me out, but I can't stop watching it. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm really I'm really glad that you've reignited your love for the OC you kind of made me want to do it too but also I feel like I've got like some sort of like post-traumatic stress from it though like I feel like if I watch it now all my, my old emo self would just like fully come out and just be crying it is it is great though I mean some, some of just some of the outfits and stuff there's a lot of like low-rise skits <laughs> and a lot of colourful Chanel bags and yeah it, I mean it is fun to watch but Abercrombie yeah but it's strange to watch at the same time so apart from the OC which I'll let you have that one um <laughs> what else have you been filling your mind your mind with what culture have you been absorbing um I'm just like uh sorry what I was just dreaming about Seth Cohen um uh I've I've read a book I, I did read a book <laughs> Uh, I read, uh, this is taking a darker turn now, but I read a book um, that um, popped up on, I think it was one of the bestsellers on Amazon, you know, when you're buying books and then other ones pop up. It's how I buy a lot of my books these days. Um, Just forever making wish lists on there. But I'm not always great at reading bestsellers and things that are in the charts. Um, I normally pick up old things and I think that's just the... So you're too indie for that. Ah, no, it makes me sound like pretentious. But I think when you've done an no, English, English literature student, you you are a bit pretentious because you talk like about the classics and all of this. And um, I think I was sort of felt this weight that I needed to make weight make my way through all the classics that I'd not read. When actually, there's a lot of new authors that are probably worth just as much time, if not more, because they're writing about life now and we, uh, no, we've spoke about this before to be fair mm-hmm. which are hyped um generally you do find that i've a lot of them like the instagram hype books are sometimes mm-hmm. the ones that i find the most disappointing um yeah, and then some of them I, I, yeah and i know what you mean some of them are sort of like um i'm not too into like what's the what is it called like chiclet you know like sort of a fast holiday read sort of i like a real and that's nothing against like chiclet because those books are important as well and like those sort of um that genre and lord knows i love them and don't judge me i've just talking about i've just i don't think i'm better than anyone i've just talked about the oc for a good 10 minutes at least (laughs) (laughs) i love a trashy a trashy tv show or a trashy book as much but it's just you need something a bit more a bit meaty yeah i I very very much like like lyrical 
um, poetic writing. Um, so anything that's got that sort of quality to it, I love. I think it's why I like Lolita, which is controversial, but leads me into this book because it's got a similar theme. It's called um, My Dark Vanessa or Dark Vanessa. Um, it is a book that is flicks between the past and present tense um, and it's based around a young girl and how she was groomed by her English literature teacher at school and then went on to have a sort of on-off relationship with him up until her early 20s um, as as the Me Too movement sort of breaks out and it's how she sort of deals with it and other girls come forward and sort of ask her to come forward as well um, and it's how she sort of deals with that but it's it's I'm not going to say it's an easy read. Um, it's very difficult. I, I had to stop reading it at some points because it made me physically want to be sick. Um, it's There's a very explicit, um, very explicit parts um, about the sexual abuse. So obviously, you know, that's going to be triggering for a lot of people. So maybe this isn't one for you if you've experienced anything like that. But I thought it was just so powerful because it really puts you into that young girl mindset again, which is quite dangerous because when you're reading it from the beginning, you do sort of get sucked into what he's saying and you're like, oh, you're romanticizing it a little bit, um, which is what I think people take away from Lolita sometimes. They romanticize it and it's like, no, this is a paedophile doesn't mean you can't still enjoy the book because I still enjoy the book I like the way Vladimir Nabokov writes about love and he's got just he's just a very talented writer but it doesn't mean that because I like that book I'm saying that it's okay to be a paedophile. There are parts of Lolita as poetically as it is written that are very very hard to read um the last the, the last few chapters of Lolita I, I really struggled to get through um they it just made me feel a bit grubby just yeah so yes, but it it's like, for me, a good writer or a good film or a good actor, it's about making you step into somebody else's shoes. And it's not to say that you sort of like sympathise with murderers or paedophiles or whatever, but it's like putting you in that mindset where it's like it almost, you almost do. Yeah. And it's like that's, that's, a, that's um, an acknowledgement to how good their their work is if that makes sense I feel like I didn't articulate that very well but it's a testament yes that's the word it's a testament to how good his writing is that you read this book and you do just think oh it's a love story when it's like no this is an underage girl and a man that's way too uh, that's a paedophile let's not wrap it up in flowery language like um in the book but it's um yeah that that was the intrigue for me with books like that but I know some people just write it off as like, oh, it's a book about beautiful. I don't need to. Work. Like, but for me, it's more about the language. Yeah. Um, like that sentence at the end where I think he says to, what's he called? Humbert says to Lolita, um, is it him that says it? That says, don't touch me, I'll die if you touch me. It really resonates with me. It's that sort of like, it's when he, the first time he sees her from having a break from her and she's like, God, she's pregnant. He's got a new life, but it's. Yeah. Like everyone's had that feeling, I think, where they meet up with someone again from their past and you feel like you have that feeling like, oh, don't touch me. Like, I'll die if you touch me because there's so much emotion. And like, it's just think parts in the book like that that are like beautiful. But um, yeah, less about that. Um, if if you enjoy Lolita, I think you'll enjoy this. But it's, it's, it's sort of like a modern Lolita because it shows it from the young girl's perspective. And it's sort of everything that, I feel like there should have been a Lolita part two where she gets to have her say and gets justice for what happened to her. Um, and this is sort of, in my head, that book. <laughs> um, but it's just very cleverly done and really shows you how these males in positions of power are able to groom and weaponize language and get away with it for so many years and convince the victims that it's their fault. And it's just... A re- like I've not I've not read a book that fast in years like in years I read it in about three nights which for me is like good <laughs> not a fast read always a good sign but I think as well like I I get what you're saying and I think I mean I've not read I've not read the book that you're talking about but it does sound like something I would probably really really like and I did did like Lolita is one of my favorite books but um I think it it's the the joy of Lolita is it it highlights the power of perspective yeah. So it's like if 
any narrative you read, it, no matter how horrible and vile the main character is, it has the ability of making them likable to you and making them relatable and making you be able to empathise with them. And that's what books like Lolita do. They make it quite uncomfortable. They make it uncomfortable reading because you find yourself. Um, rooting for the bad guy so I guess I like I completely agree with you with what you said about you know it would be interesting if there was a book from Lolita's side of things because think, it's a completely different story I think it was a lot of like I think people write it off as like think that it's meant to be a love story but it's it's a warped it's like he thinks he's in love and it's not it's really sickening and damaging and you can see that if you if you're reading it you know with a healthy mindset um but it's like you say i think we've got a real problem if we can only read books that are from like you say we need to read books from all different perspectives um it's like you know i went through a stage of having an interest in reading books autobiographies by serial killers i read charles manson's book and some might say that's a waste of time but i do find different perspectives very interesting i think we have to try and understand mindsets and how different brains work and you know that whole thing to be able to understand why these things tragic things happen and why abuse continues um but yeah i think and, and i think maybe some think that the author had therefore has to be a pedophile if you can write a story like this then it must be your sort of repressed fantasy but as far as i've looked into vladimir nabokov he, he lived in the hills with his wife who he was in love with for like over 50 years i think vera and collected butterflies so he was as they come <laughs> yeah, he was like a massive romantic if you've never if you've ever read um letters to vera it's all it's a big collection of all his letters to his wife over the years um so yeah as far as i know there's nothing nothing dark going on behind the scenes but i think we've said a lot about the later <laughs> No, no, it's a juicy book suggestion. Yeah, it is juicy. Um, so I've been um, reading a lot of books. Um, been reading a lot of books by black authors because it, I'm going to be dedi dedicating a blog post to that. Um, but um, yeah, so one of the books that I've been reading, I read, uh, finished just over a week ago, was Girl, Woman, Other by Bernardine Ivaristo. I hope I've said that second name right. You know that I, I'm terrible with people's names. Um, and the the book is based around um, it's twelve women's stories, all of who the majority are, are are black women, black, and they live in Britain. Not all of them are British. Their stories are from all over Britain, from um, different decades. Um, so from like the early um, 1900s to present day and all of these women are somehow interlinked um not always in the most obvious way um and basically e each chapter is a different woman's story and there are like chapters within those chapters um is the best way of kind of explaining that and um it basically um they basically tell you about their lives and how they've come to kind of be who they are um it deals with the struggles that they faced um and where, be it in different circumstances where, whether that's um racially or through class or um romantically um kind of like the st the main story of their life that has kind of like made them who they are and then kind of like like has possibly had an effect on one of the other women's stories that you read um and I just absolutely adored this book I found the first two chapters a little slow going um I feel like it was probably because there was a bit of an issue with I didn't really like the two the two characters that I was reading about they're not bad characters I just yeah I don't know likability wasn't there for me but then after that the other stories I just absolutely um adored um it's a real celebration of women of black women of um you know the multiculture that is in Britain and where that has come from um, and yeah I feel like if any of you out there are reading um, specifically books by black authors I think that's a it's a really great one to to delve into. Yeah it's been on a lot of um, lists going around hasn't it and stuff and I've seen it shared a lot it's on my um, birthday list actually I asked Sam for a few books so I think I've got that one hidden in his wardrobe somewhere <laughs> so hopefully I'll get to read that yeah and I know that we just said about hype books how some hype books are, are not 
always worth the hype. Um, but this is one book that I read. I started reading it. I was like, oh man, I, I feel like this isn't. This is going to be a slow going one for me, and it just wasn't. The more I got into it, the more the dots connected. Um, and it was just a really, a really dynamic read as well. Like mm. it, it's there's so many there's so many um, twists and turns in it with the characters. I think there's like I don't want to say there's something for everyone because I think that's a bit of a naff thing to say, but this yeah. certainly is. There's going to be something that one of those characters have been through that you'll relate to yeah. um and then there's different perspectives that just make you see things in a whole different light um yeah just a really a really interesting celebration of how awesome women are well, that sounds good I'm excited to read that one then I think because I read my dark Vanessa so fast um I've sort of not been able to get into another book since I think because that was you know and it's just like all consuming and it's all you can think about um so I'm not sure what to read next I feel like I need to read something a bit lighter though <laughs> I've had it before where like you know when you you really love a book and then you finish it and you're dead sad and the next book I start I'm always like oh yeah but this is not I miss those other characters yeah. <laughs> like I can't invest in these characters yeah just, um, um normal people they're doing an episode of in 40 years time oh I've seen that doing like two one-off episodes is it for comic relief Richard yeah in Ireland so to, to see how that goes down and whether Sally Rooney's had any involvement with it. I'm guessing she must have had to okay it. I got, I've got a, I've got a funny feeling about this. <laughs> um, I think that they need to be left where they are. That's the whole point of their story. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Young, romantic, stuck in time, leave it where it is sort of thing, and you can make the rest up as you please kind of thing, isn't it? I think it could ruin that sort of romantic, left open element for many people if it's like two old people hobbling around in Ireland together like I don't know if you do need your Connell and Marianne fix there is the short story that she wrote prior to writing normal people which is called the clinic or the surgery I think it's called I sent you the link in there Alice like here's some more of Connell so yeah I'd recommend that but I'm not sure we should be I hope they don't do a second series because I'm I'm just not sure no, I think they should leave it where it is. I think all good TV gets cut off after like one, two series. And it's like, that's what makes it good. It's like, just leave it. Kind of like the OC, it went on. <laughs> but that's for another day. So, yeah, before we start talking about the OC again. So I think, yeah, like I think we've, we've talked about quite a, a hearty mix of things we've been watching um, and reading in this episode. Anything you'd care to add, Alice? I just thought I'd add that it's my birthday. <laughs> birthday in a couple of days and birthdays in lockdown are strange yours was sort of when it very first happened in March wasn't it yeah mine was um back in um 18th of March in case anyone wants to note that down um and it was the week before official lockdown but everyone was already in lockdown so it was a really strange one because um yeah I had plans and they got cancelled but it was all very much like do we cancel them? What do we do? So, yeah, but you're 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 in the thick of lockdown now. Yeah, I've seen a lot of birthdays have been going on, haven't they? So, I mean, people are aging. <laughs> We're not stuck in time, unfortunately. But yeah, it's it's been kind of nice to see how people have been making the most of it and celebrating. And I think there's something nice about just staying at home and not doing anything particularly fancy other than eating a bit of cake and dinner. Ones you love. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do for it. Um, I'm 28, so I feel like it's not a particularly groundbreaking age. But yeah, another year older, it, feel, it does feel weird. I think it feels weird because my birthday is always like in the middle of the year, so it's like bang on July the 1st. Uh-huh. And I always feel like very different at this time of year. Like I'm always, I always say that I've got the best birthday because it's just the best time to have a birthday because everyone's like outside and now everyone's sort of <laughs> stuck inside. <laughs> Oh, do so you see what it's like for the rest of us? Bad birthday people. A lot more as well, I think. I always feel like I've done a lot by this point in the year. Like I'm, I don't know, and I, I sort of feel like I don't, I, I don't know if I feel excited about it or it almost feels like it's not happening because we're in lockdown and we've not really done anything much this year. Therefore, I've not aged, <laughs> but I have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Like it kind of feels like a cheap birthday. Like yeah, you're one year older, but. 
it's not a landmark. Uh, you'll look back on it though, I think, and be like, my 28th birthday was the lockdown. It'll be the one you remember. Yeah. I mean, I'm just glad it's not my 30th because I'd like to have a bit of a, a bit of a party. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not but yeah, I don't know. It does, it does feel strange, but it's been nice to see like how inventive people have been with like celebrations and um, whether it's birthdays or anniversaries and stuff online. It's been sweet to see people sort of um, coming up with inventive ways to celebrate things and make their loved ones feel special. Yeah. But yeah, anything else that you want to add? No, it's not my birthday. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I have nothing exciting going on. I'm launching a new Top of the Town collection tomorrow, so and it's going to be on a new website. So people, please send me good luck and support. By the time this episode goes out, though, it'll already have launched, so forget I said anything. Let's just send things there. Yeah, there's going to be nothing left. I, I think that's um, it's exciting, and it's good that like you've sort of had this time to work on. It's a great time to work on sort of business ideas or like elevating your business to the next step. Um, so it's a big deal. No, it is. Yeah, it's I just yeah, it's nice. It's been something really lovely to work on, and it's I know I say this, I sound like a broken record, but it is just like a labour of love. So it's always enjoyable to work on it, and it's glad to see it progress to it. It's having its own little website. Um, well, it just it feels just a bit intense, but yeah, if you can't get these little projects that you've had on your to-do list forever underway in lockdown, you're just never going to, are you? This is the prime time to to kick your butt in gear. It's having that self-belief though as well, isn't it? Which is difficult in lockdown, especially when you don't really have those people around you sort of maybe egging you on the way they would do in sort of... I mean, people are still texting and calling and whatever, but it's sometimes, I don't know, you, you're in your thoughts a lot, aren't you? So it's yeah. sort of like a big, I don't know, it's a big step to create anything new or do anything new. So kudos to you. Like, Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really mean, we're in, such bu- we're in such a bubble at the minute. It feels like doing anything which goes beyond the bubble we're in is really scary and unknown more than it would be outside of lockdown. So yeah, just wish me luck. But aside from that, no new crack to share with you guys. So, should we sign off there? <laughs> yeah, we should sign off there. Um, hope you're doing well, as always. Hope you're all um, doing okay, like mentally, physically, and all of that stuff. Um, and hope you enjoyed this little catch-up episode. And we'll see you in another episode again soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.